I'd like for you to uh, look at the passage that we read, which is found in Ephesians, the 22nd through the 32nd verses. I want to show you something here in this passage. Uh, it starts, or down to it, it starts off, if you'll recall, with uh, Paul telling us that our life should be different now that we have come to know the transforming power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says that in reference to your former manner of life, before you were saved, before you repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you lived a certain way before then. But then you came to know the love of God. You came to know his power and his very presence in your life through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And you are supposed to be changed by that. How can you not be changed in his presence? He goes on and he says, and that you be well, that you lay aside the old self, the way you used to be, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Our whole worldview should change when we repent from being a part of the problem and embrace being a part of the solution for the fallenness of this world. And whenever we do that, uh, our whole view changes. And one of the most wonderful things that happens there, see our whole belief system changes because so many of us were beating ourselves up all the time. We were scared to death of God and what might happen to us. And we were just feeling bad about ourselves all the time and all. And then we came to know that Jesus likes us for being us, not for being somebody else, not for being uh, who we wish we were. It's us that he died for because God doesn't make any junk. He values you. And whenever it says in scripture, his love is shed abroad in our hearts, it changes everything. We can no longer look on other people in the same way. We can't look down our nose at ourselves, so we sure can't look down our nose at anybody else because we're precious. We're precious. And if I'm precious, as bad as I was, then my goodness, you sure ought to be precious to God. And that being the case... All of a sudden, the people around us, we see them as having value, just as we have value ourselves. And anyway, it just changes everything. Our worldview changes. We realize we're not in control. We can't fix everything. We don't have to fix everything. But we serve a God who created it all and is going to set it all straight one of these days. We serve him. And like I said earlier, we're no longer a part of the problem. We have now become a part of the solution. And we can go through life with an inner peace and joy that those outside of Christ 
will never know. And so then he goes on and he says that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. And then we get to the part that I really wanted to get to today where he says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, you quit lying. You're not supposed to be lying if you're a Christian. Okay. Speak truth, each one of you with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. And this is what I really want to dwell on today. You know, it's okay to be angry. It's not a sin to get mad. Did you know that? Some people think it's sinful to get mad because they don't read what Jesus said about anger and murder. They don't read it rightly where uh, he says, if you are angry without a cause, but you see, even then you can be angry, but what do you do with it? We're going to look at that in just a minute. But uh, anyway, so here on this side, I've shown you this before, on one side of grieving the Holy Spirit, uh, being mentioned, we see holiness in life. The way we talk ought to change. The way we speak to other people ought to change. How we handle things should be different than it was before. And then he goes on and he tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And then he concludes this by saying, uh, I want to get this right. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, the point I want to make right here is that in wholeness or holiness of life, anger is supposed to be dealt with. We're going to handle anger differently. And if we don't, it grieves the Holy Spirit. If you're still handling your anger in a worldly way and listening to your worldly friends tell you, well, you have a right to do so and so and so and so. And well, I understand why. If you're listening to that instead of listening to the Holy Spirit of God and seeking him in your anger, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. When you grieve the Holy Spirit enough, he decides He's not welcome there in your heart anymore. And so he just will leave you to yourself. But then on the other side, in his big conclusion here, he mentions anger again in holy, in wholeness in our relationships. Anger is mentioned. This is one of the things that's mentioned on both sides, our actions and our relationships. Both of them, anger is addressed. One thing you can conclude from that or that I can conclude from that is how you handle your anger is really important to God. You can't handle it the way you want to. You've got to handle it the way that he has laid out for us to. And so this is what I want us to look at today. It's not a sin to be angry. Be angry, yet sin not. It's okay to sin. It's, okay. it's not okay to sin. No, 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 no. Um, it's okay to be angry. Jesus got angry. It says, after looking around at them with anger, 
grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. See, Jesus got angry. And uh, let's just look at anger for a moment. Anger is a negative emotion, but it's an emotion. It's a feeling. And let's face it, you can't control the feelings that are going to well up in your heart. They're going to happen. They're going to come. Then it's not a sin to have feelings. The problem comes with what we do with them. And the thing is, anger is, a, is an emotion. It's a negative emotion. And God gave us negative emotions for a reason. They're like warning signs. They're like red lights on the dashboard of your car. They let you know something's not right. It makes you uncomfortable with the way things are. And it's a, a big flag waving Something needs to be done and something needs to be done quickly. It's a negative emotion. It's a gift from God. The reason why it was given to you is so you'll know that something's wrong and that something needs to be done. Anger is something that's given to you to protect you from being hurt more. The sources of anger are fear, frustration, pain, and uh, some people will put down injustice. I think when you get to injustice, you're getting into subcategories like jealousy and envy that are also uh, can come out of those, 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 other, those top three emotions. But the top three, I mean, the sort of the top three sources are fear, frustration, and pain. So uh, whenever you're hurting, you don't want to be hurt anymore. And so you put up a wall. Anger puts a wall before you know the person. Anger also prepares you for fight or flight. Whenever you get angry, the blood starts pumping, the adrenaline starts flowing, and you're ready to stand your ground and do something there or just hook them as fast as you can. And so uh, anger prepares you for fight or flight. So it's an emotion that God gave you for good reason. But how we handle the problem, how we handle what has been brought to our attention, that's what makes all the difference in the world. Because you see, it's not okay to sin. So he says, when you're angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you get angry, do something about it and do something about it then. Do something about it that day. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't carry it around. Handle it quickly. We see in Cain and Abel a good model for all this. It's just amazing to me whenever you see what happened there because ah, I still see the same thing going on in churches today. The first murder happened in connection with a worship service. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that? It was because people, uh, Cain and Abel, both brought offerings to God. Abel's offering was acceptable. God did not accept Cain's offering. Cain got angry at God 
He wasn't angry at Abel directly. His anger was because his gift wasn't acceptable. And so his anger winds up being directed toward Abel, but it wasn't really Abel that was the source of his anger. He was angry because he thought what he did ought to be good enough. And he got angry at God. It's just so sad that I still see this going on in worship services. I see it going on in battles over the form of worship and how people are going to worship and when they're going to worship. And I see people that say that they're gods hurting each other every day out of anger because they know how worship ought to be, whether you do or not. I mean, it's just terrible. It's so sad. But uh, anyway, first murder happens over a worship service. And what happens is that uh, it says that Cain, his countenance fell. He got a frowny face. He just wasn't a happy camper. And while he was kind of pouting around, God comes to him. And God says, I want to get this right. First of all, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? That's one of the questions we ought to ask ourselves when we get angry. Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you angry? And why are you not a happy camper? And then he goes on, he says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? You see, Cain hasn't sinned yet. He just, as we learn in Hebrews, his offering was not an offering of faith. His offering was not an offering that was given to God with the right heart. And that's why it was not acceptable. How much worship is offered to God today that's not given in the right heart? That's not given with our, from our own being saying, thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. People gather to be entertained. They come to, I don't know how many people, I've quit telling jokes just about because it seems like some people just came for the joke of the week. And so uh, I just, uh, uh, anyway, I've just quit trying to look up jokes to put in sermons because that's not what I'm supposed to be giving y'all. I'm supposed to be giving you the truth. And so anyway, so many, I know churches today, you go to church, it's like going to a nightclub. We're talking about a church I used to serve has now got a service that they call the nightclub service. I mean, because you, they go in, they sit at table, they're going to search, you sit at tables, you, they eat and drink coffee while the service is going on. Is that worship? If you're supposed to be opening your heart toward God, toward your very creator and showing reverence to him, how can you be snacking? That just shows how self-centered as opposed to God-centered worship is becoming nowadays. So anyway, the thing is, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And then he goes on and he gives a warning. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So Cain is angry and God gives him a warning. He says, if you continue in this frame of heart, you're going to fall into sin. 
if you do what's right, everything's going to be cool. And so what does Cain do? He just stews. And then he goes and he, he tells Abel, it says that he told Abel. That's all it says. And Cain told Abel. I don't know what he told him, but he talked to Abel about what had happened. But apparently he did not repent. He didn't get a heart toward God that would want to please God. Instead, it says later, while they were working in the field, Cain slew Abel. Sin was crouching at the door. In James, it talks about how the devil roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Here, sin is depicted like an animal waiting just outside the door to get you. And since he didn't change his attitude, he didn't do the right thing about it, he sinned. And the first murder occurred. Why are you angry? If you do well, will your countenance not be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. He's telling, do the right thing about it. So, basically, everybody's going to get mad sometime. Uh, the one you'll never lose that temper of your. Let's see, I want to get this right. You'll never get rid of your temper by losing it. Did you, have you ever notice that? If you lose your temper. You don't get rid of it. And you just practice, continue to practice that. Now then, there's some other things I want to go, okay. Uh, it's not okay to sin. This is just it. It's okay to be angry. Not okay to sin. Our emotions, our feelings are never an excuse for sin. There's so many people today that think that we ought, ought to just be living out of our feelings. We ought to be living out of our emotions. No, we're supposed to be living out of God's word. And as we come to know him, our feelings and our emotions are going to be much more in line. And we're going to know how to handle our feelings and emotions properly. But our emotions, our feelings are never an excuse for sin. And I've, let's see, and this definitely does not give us the right to sin. And so that's the, why we have this admonition in scripture reading today. When you're angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. There are a lot of people that uh, seem to think that if they get angry, then uh, they can't control themselves anymore. And if you're a worldly person, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, let's look over at uh, uh, Galatians, the fifth chapter. Let's look at the uh, works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, and the fruit of the spirit. And uh, I want to see if I, I've got that written down somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, okay. All right. This is Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning with the nineteenth verse. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, uh, enmities, strife, jealousy, right in the middle, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and such things as these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. I've known of people that were proud of their bad temper. I remember I had a a, a church member in my first full-time church that she prided prided herself in being an artist. And she also prided herself in her temper and said, I guess it's just my artist's blood in me. You know, well, the thing is, being an artist doesn't give you license to sin. Being Irish doesn't give you license to sin. People talk about somebody having an Irish temper. Just because you're Irish doesn't give you the right to sin. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, is it redheads that are supposed to get angry easily? Being redheaded isn't supposed to, that doesn't give you a license to sin. So don't pride yourself in your angriness. Don't pride yourself in your temper. Instead, just seek God's will in your life. If you're doing that, you're not going to take pride in the things that cause you to sin. So those are the deeds of the flesh. In the very middle of is outbursts of anger. And it says that those that practice that will not go to heaven. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So on the other hand, it goes on, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, put together all the works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, uh, outbursts of anger. Put all that to, to, to you've crucified that with its passions and desires. So it's not okay to sin. Our excuses, our emotions, our feelings are never an excuse for sin. So I want to look at you, at us real quickly, at, real quickly to look at how do you handle anger? How do you handle it? First of all, we've already talked about the sources of anger. Ask you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on these, but are you a spewer or a stewer? Now, what I mean, like I'll give you an example. I ran across this quote the other day of, uh, from a movie where uh, this psychiatrist is talking to his patient and he tells his patient, you know, people handle their anger in one of two different ways. And uh, here's an example of the two people. The customer at the checkout counter who loses his temper because the clerk didn't ring up something right and just chews her out for it. That's one way that people handle their anger. But then you've also got people who handle it like the clerk who just takes what's dished out and keeps on taking what's dished out until one day somebody chews her out and she pulls out a gun and starts shooting everybody in the store. Now then, that's the difference between a spewer and a skewer. The customer is the spewer. Something happens and it's just all over them all the time. You know, a stewer goes home and they just burn, do a slow burn about it. So people handle anger differently. And the thing is, we all need to know, no matter whether you are a spewer or a stewer, you need to handle anger in the proper way. And let's face it, whenever we are converted and our minds are and our hearts are transformed by the presence of uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives, our belief system will change. It's going to be different. 
And we all filter what happens around us through a belief system. And uh, it's either something like, I'm the center of the universe, and if you're not doing things the way that I think they ought to be done, then something's wrong with you. That's one way. That's one worldview. And that's the worldview of the world. And then there's the other worldview, the worldview of a Christian, which is God is in control. God is the one that we are, that in whom we live and breathe and have our being. And I can't control things, but I can serve God. And I can love the people that he loves. And he loves people that are even unlovable and unlovely. And so we'll have this different world view. And so our what happens around us is filtered through our world view. And then based on how we perceive what's going on, whether it's an affront or something that's just really sad, it's going to depend on our world view. But something happens, it goes through a belief system, and then we immediately have a physical reaction before we even start thinking about it. Uh, but then we have our thoughts and our feelings come into play, and then our action takes place, and then we have results. If you have a bad belief system, the results are going to be bad. If you have a good belief system, the results are going to be good. Now then, the problem comes whenever we're trying to break bad habits, and we're moving from being someone who was in the world to someone who is living in Christ. And sometimes the habits stay even though our heart has been changed. And so these are some steps to start taking. Number one, list the fruit of the Spirit. Whenever you find yourself getting angry, just start listing the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, uh, self-control, however your, your list reads there. Or you can do what your mama and daddy taught you to do a long time ago. Count to 10. If you can't remember the fruit of the Spirit, count to 10. What that does, it causes you to pause instead of just reacting. And then ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this three days from now? And that's a good rule of thumb. How am I going to feel three days from now about what I'm getting ready to say or do when I'm sleeping there on the sofa? You know, am I going to think that this was a good decision to go ahead and say or do this? When I'm sitting there in jail and nobody will come bail me out, is that, uh, was that a good thing? You know, is, is that what I should, if I, that's where I'm going to be three days from now, is it what I'm supposed to be doing? Okay. So how am I going to feel about this three days from now? Next, do I have the right to be angry? You remember Jonah got really angry when God spared Nineveh. And again, here's somebody that's mad and God goes up to him and he says, what right do you have to be angry? And I think that's a good paradigm. Whenever God asks you, what right do you have to be angry Especially when it's in something, when it's in connection with something that he has done. And some people get angry for weird reasons. So what right do you have to be angry? Why are you angry? And then God said to him, what right do you have to be angry about the plant? He cut the plant anyway. But uh, 
And uh, Jonah, his heart was just so not right. He said, I have every right to be angry, angry enough to just die. He was so mad. And yet in Psalm 4, 4, this passage where it says, be angry and do not sin. That comes from Psalm 4, 4. And it says there, be angry and do not sin. And the word angry there means being so angry that you tremble or shake. So even if you are so angry that you're just about to bust, don't sin. You don't have to. Ask yourself what right, and then ask yourself this question. And I don't word it quite like this anymore, but the question should be, what would Jesus have me do in this situation? Not what would Jesus do, because if you're angry, you're going to, you could possibly say, he'd call down fire from heaven, you know, but that's not right. That's not what he would do. But anyway, the thing is, but you, and you don't know what Jesus would do, but you know what he wants you to do. And so I just pray nowadays and I just say, Lord, what would you have me do right now? What would you have me do? And then listen, and then Take it from there. But you know he's not going to have you hurt the other person. You know he's not going to have you lash out verbally. You know he's not going to have you physically harm another person. He's going to have you do something that's going to be edifying to you and edifying to those around you. I remember one time there was somebody so angry and I remember praying, Lord, this is bad. What would you have me do? And I'll to go ahead and tell you, this was my dad. And this is the point where I had uh, forgiven him of all that was past and of all the different things that he had done. And he had always been a person that he would fly off the handle and we'd all walk on our eggshells around him. Oh, Joe's mad. Let's watch out. Let's not. Anyway. He, uh, he was in one of those frames banging stuff around in the kitchen sink. I don't know why he did that, but that's one of the things they do. He'd go bang things in the kitchen sink. I don't Anyway, so he was there just doing that over something very, very minute. And uh, I had forgiven him for being that way, but it hadn't changed him. And see, that's just it. We talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't change the other person. So I'm there in that situation. I prayed, Lord, what would you have me do? And what he had me do, I would not tell anybody else to do. Please don't do it unless the Lord tells you to do it. But while he was there, just so his ears are turning purple, he was so trembling mad. He had me walk over to my dad, put my arm around him and just give him a loving squeeze and say, you know, I sure do love you. And he tensed up. And his ears looked like they were about to burst. And then it was like air just went out of a balloon. And all of a sudden, he was at peace. And he said, I love you too. And that was it. That was the end of it. But you see, normally when somebody gets angry, and somebody somebody will get angry back. And once anger starts reflect or uh, uh, starts uh, reacting to anger, you wind up with two people there just throwing gasoline on each other's fire. 
He doesn't want you doing that. And he's shown you today how to stop that. Just ask yourself when you're getting angry, ultimately, Lord, what would you have me do? And then listen. And it's amazing the difference that'll make. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by petting your anger and giving in to sin. Instead, master it, just like God told Cain to master his anger. It's something that can be done or God wouldn't have told us to do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.